This podcast brought to you by BaseCrete, leaders in waterproof bond coatings for the swimming pool and construction industry. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Pool Magazine Podcast. Today I'm here with Paul Gardner of Reynolds Polymer. Doesn't ring a bell? That's okay. This will, Sky Pool. Unless you've been living under a rock for the past six months, this iconic pool has been all over the news and social media. And Reynolds Polymer is the company that actually made the vessel that is now suspended 115 feet up in the air between two buildings at the Embassy Gardens in London. This see-through pool has managed to captivate the public's imagination as well as the pool industry. So we reached out on Facebook groups like Ask the Masters to see what questions you had. And we're thrilled that Paul's here with us today to let us Q&A him about their role in the project. Thank you so much for being with us today, Paul. You bet. Good to be with you. So this pool is a world-class project. It's got a lot of publicity and notoriety. I mean, what's it like to work on such a high-visibility project? And uh, how did Reynolds Polymer get the nod for this particular vessel? Yeah. uh, You know, I think when you start off on a project, you don't know it's going to end up getting so much notoriety once it's finally finished and up. So, you know, we're engineers. We weren't thinking about the marketing uh, benefits that early on. So, yeah, now it's fun to be on it and see how exciting it is from that standpoint. But from how did we get involved in it? Um, You know, when you do something crazy with acrylic, there's only a few of us that can do that. And really only a few that are willing to do it from an engineering standpoint and come up with a good solution. So it, the, the, the field was pretty narrow to begin with. Um, the client came to us pretty quickly. We worked on it for a long time before it really got out of the starting blocks just to make sure it was feasible and something that could be done. Then we got a design contract, finished up the design and the engineering with it, and then uh, moved on into production after that. So There's only a few different companies around the world that can do a project of this size, scale, and magnitude, isn't that right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, and especially when you, when it comes to being a monolithically cast, we're the only ones that do it like that. You know, all of our competitors will, will laminate. So they'll take thinner sheet and glue it together. But in this case, uh, to get a monolithically cast part, enabling us to use some of our other uh, methodologies, such as signature bonds, uh, that's the only way you could have done it in this case for this project. Yeah, a lot of engineering challenges in this particular project. Uh, I mean, basically, would, would you mind if I ask you a few questions that are specifically related to like engineering and structural? Sure, sure. Okay. Well, one of the biggest questions that came up was how do you account for settling and movement between the two buildings? Yeah, sure. So the the swimming pool itself is set up as really an isolated box uh, on both ends. Uh, the acrylic is sitting in a steel tub, and that steel tub is then sitting on uh, concrete columns and supported by bearings. So um, the steel tubs and the acrylic vessel are cinched together with uh, two tension rods underneath. Those are the only visible structural elements that you can see besides the acrylic. And that creates essentially an open-top box that can float depending on uh, the movement of the buildings. And then it can also be adjusted for settling, right? If there was to be enough settling, uh, you could get in there and adjust the heights of the bearings uh, with either some shims or whatever was necessary to get it back to level. How did you actually come up with the thickness of the vessel? Uh, Yeah, that's through just doing uh, typical finite element analysis. Um, We had lots of different load cases that we were looking at. Um, different load conditions, 
And so by running through that, uh, looking at, I don't know, 15 or 20 different load cases, uh, we settled down on the thickness. Uh, the thickness is really driven by long-term stress, how much stress the acrylic can see to enable it to uh, last for decades. So we uh, ran all of our analysis and came up with the thickness that it needed to be in order to have low enough stress. What material is the acrylic resting on? I mean, I, I know it's floating on those bars, but what else is supporting that basin in place? Yeah, so the acrylic sits down on the steel tubs. There's a shelf on either end of the steel tubs. Uh, obviously, there's some load-bearing material between the acrylic and the steel tubs themselves. Just some some uh, cementitious grout is underneath there um, to transfer the load between the acrylic and the steel tubs. So pretty basic. I know you said that a ton of testing was done to get the calculations right for the thickness of the vessel, but I mean, how many times did you test this thing? How many times did it fail before that you guys got the calculations right? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it, I don't know if it ever fails. You're doing it all on the computer, right? You don't you don't build this and test it and uh, expect it to fail. You uh, you you have your methodologies on the computer. You run all the analysis. Uh, you know, we, we had a third party that ran the analysis as well, just to make sure uh, that everything looked good from somebody else's point of view as well, and really have multiple parties looking at that. And once you, once you sit down on that from an analysis standpoint, then you, you rely upon your experience and your knowledge from past projects, knowing, you know, that those values that you get out of the computer are correct. And, from, and then, then you just go forward and build it. Once it was built, we did test it here in Colorado before we shipped it on site. And that wasn't, uh, you know, anything from a failure or check standpoint. What you're really doing there is loading it up and just observing the deflection to really get good correlation between your engineering models and your actual performance of the part. It's some of these questions that we got mainly they pertain to like usability. One question that I find particularly interesting was uh, how do you stop the water from splashing people below? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the walls are, are about eight feet high, so they would have to, you know, splash it over the edge and there's no reason they couldn't. Um, so, you, and you have to have the safety walls up there enough so that people aren't doing anything uh, too crazy and hanging over the edge once you're once you're that high up. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, m mostly that. I mean, the, the pool edge itself, when you get back on the pool deck where the steel tubs are, obviously isn't eight feet high. It's just out across the span where the acrylic goes up eight feet high. Otherwise, yeah, people could splash and get stuff over the edge, I guess, if they get too wild. Yeah. What was the cost of that acrylic span that they built? Uh, yeah, the, the whole project for us is... Uh, well north of, uh, it's a multi-million dollar project, put it that way. Um, the acrylic itself would be a few million dollars. Uh, add in the steel tubs and everything else, you're well, you, you know, you're starting to approach, uh, you know, close to eight, nine, ten million dollars probably by the time what it should have cost. So <laughs> it's a big project, right? It's not a small, it's not a small project there. No, it's absolutely not. I mean, what's the life expectancy on the polymer system before it needs to be replaced? Yeah, um, design requirements were uh, 50 years for a design life, so it's it's intended to last up there for a long time. And it there's there's no issue with that as long as it's properly maintained. 
I mean, there's uh, the acrylic is not uh, indestructible. So, but with maintenance and taking care of it, and every so often it'll probably need to be sanded and polished just to keep it under good condition and keep the material property strong on the outside edge is important. That's a fascinating pool. And I think like the biggest question that, that people have when it comes to maintenance is like, how do you clean a pool like that? Yeah. Um, the, obviously the wet side's easy to get to. That's where everybody's at. So you just do a lot of cleaning there um, and really keeping your eyes on it. And then from the dry side, which is the hard side to get access to, we're we're pushing the limits of what you can reach with a man lift from the ground. Uh, that That's the process right now is they've got a man lift that can go up 10 stories and somebody is cleaning it from the dry side on a, on a regular basis, just to make sure that any residues and anything on it is getting uh, taken off on a regular basis. It sounds like a lot of maintenance. How does the water circulate in it? Uh, yeah, the, on one end, uh, all of the plant room is at one end. Um, so the water circulates from one side to the other. And then you'll notice there's a, uh, there's a pedestrian bridge just north of the pool itself. And there are some, there's some pipe work that runs through that pedestrian bridge that takes the water back over to the other side. So it gets circulated on one side, goes through all the filtration and the cleaning process. And then it's shot across that pedestrian bridge and comes in the other side of the pool. I was watching uh, your guys' social media for a while. And I, I saw the process of just transporting the vessel to London. Uh, it was pretty incredible. I mean, basically, how long did that process take? How long did permitting take? I mean, how'd you ship it? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it took a while. Um, so, you know, the interesting thing is when it, when we were finally finished with it and ready to get it out of here in uh, Colorado, we were having a bunch of wildfires. So even with the best planning and routing and permitting all set up, then we had to reroute it because the fires had closed down some of the highways with the direction we wanted to go. So we rerouted that. And then we got, the funny thing was we got stuck on the Texas border because I believe it was Hurricane Laura was coming through Houston. Yeah. which was the port we were going out of. So we sat on the Texas border, the north part of Texas there for, I think I believe it was a day or two, waiting for Laura to clear out to where the ports would open back up. Once they opened up, we transitioned on, got onto the boat in Houston, and then it takes a couple other stops across the seaboard, and then it goes across over to, over to London. It actually transitioned believe it was an Antwerp onto a barge uh, and eventually it barged up the Thames River. And then from there, it got picked up with a crane about well, about a mile, mile and a half from the job site called along the Albert Embankment. Um, they just pulled up next to the side of the road, picked it up with a crane, set it on a truck and hauled it the last little bit to the job site. How long did the permitting take for that thing? I mean, you start, you start really early. Permitting probably takes you, I mean, multiple months because you've got to get all the escorts lined up and everybody ready to go. And we had plenty of time. I mean, you're building this years in advance, so you know what's coming. But uh, yeah, it definitely took some time. Yeah, you need an insurance rider and all these other crazy things. Correct, correct. But it's not the first big thing. I mean, as for a small little town of Grand Junction, we move a lot of big stuff out of here. So our team's used to coordinating all that and getting it all lined up. We've got some good uh, Henderson Heavy Haul, I think, carried it for us out of here. So get some good trucking companies and you rely on them and they, they do a good job. Uh, how much did it weigh? Uh, the acrylic itself is about 125,000 pounds. Big. And throw, throw on the steel frame that we shipped it in and everything else with it. You're... Yeah, you're 
well over 150, 160,000 pounds, probably loaded just the shipment itself. I have a few more questions for you. And I mean, basically they're like kind of devil's advocate questions that are pertaining to, you know, just what ifs, right? Sure. So basically one of the questions our readers had is uh, in the event of an earthquake, what happens to prevent the sky pool from cracking or other damage from occurring? Sure. So, you know, fortunately, London is not a very seismically active area, so there's not much of a concern there. Um, But if there is such a thing, I mean, the pool is set on bearings, a system of bearings. Um, It's fixed on one side and it's allowed to move on the other. So if there was to be any differential movement, whether that's seismic or uh, heavy winds or whatever might be causing that, there is ability of that uh, structure to, to move independent of the pool. So, you know, any seismic moving or quaking should be taken up by the movement of those bearings. Any shocking to the system, again, we, we ran through a lot of different load cases and, and are, are comfortable that it would be able to handle that. What happens in the event that the pool freezes? Um, that's, yeah, I mean, it, it would be fine if it's, I mean, we don't want it to freeze like solid water, right? You're not going to let it freeze a, a, a cube of water in there. They're keeping it uh, heated year round. So that water is not ever going to get to an opportunity where it could freeze to a solid block. And it doesn't get that cold in London consistently enough where you could have that happen. Uh, if the pool was to be emptied, uh, it wouldn't have any issue being cold itself. You know, you, you don't like water freezing up near the acrylic just because it scratches it. You get dirt and dust and stuff in it, and it just becomes more of a, a hassle and aesthetic issue than a real structural issue in this case. But in this case, it won't ever freeze. That They'll keep it running. And this isn't the first large-scale acrylic project of this kind that you guys have worked on. I mean, I've taken a look at your website and through some of the past projects that you've done. I mean, basically, this is your guys' forte. Like, you handle large-scale projects like this worldwide. Yeah, yeah, this is, yeah, it's not the first rodeo for us. It's a different one, that's for sure. Every time the horse is a little different um, and you got to get used to it. But, um, yeah, not not the first time. You know, that the Jewel project in the Changi Airport was uh, definitely a different project there. All the large cylindrical aquariums that we've done in various places throughout the world, those are always unique and custom, you know, fully bonded dome rooms. I mean, you, you name it. You know, we've got the capability from an engineering standpoint to create them and engineer them to where we're comfortable with them. And then we've also got the capability on the shop floor to manufacture it. So you have to have both of those pieces, you know. The crazy engineers can draw anything up and, and engineer it to work, but then you've got to be able to build it. Those things got to come together. You guys get called in to handle any like large scale luxury residential projects? Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's already been inquiries for, you know, little sky pools that somebody wants in their house, right? I can so, imagine. Yeah. You know, it, it's, uh, and, you know, custom high-end pools are, are very uh, interesting right now in the industry, right? Lots of people want them. People are spending a lot of time at home. So why not have a, a beautiful, exotic uh, swimming pool with a nice piece, giving you a nice view? So it's very common. And, and we, do, we do quite a few of them. Well, what's next on the horizon for you guys? Any uh, other large-scale projects you guys got coming up? Yeah, I mean, we've got similar, uh, uh, we've got a project now that we're working on for a skyscraper in in China that's hanging off the side of a building. It's not spanning, but it's hanging off the side of a building. So, you know, I, I think 
because of the publicity of the sky pool, there will be definitely others wanting something similar, if not something similar, something with a, 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 you know, same type of splash, right? I mean, that there's just, it's very attractive right now to have something that catches the eye of somebody and, and floating water is one of those things for some reason that people just love seeing, right? You just can't get enough of it. Yeah, it's definitely a killer concept. I, I haven't seen anything quite like it. And I think that's really what most people are, are drawn to is the fact that, you know, it, it just there's this empty pocket between these two buildings where it looks like people are just floating around swimming in the air. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah, it, it is phenomenal. I mean, it's it's as simplistic as it is, right? I mean, you look at the structure, it's it's very basic. It's just a U-channel going from one side to the other and as simple as possible. Uh, but at the same time, it's very elegant, right? I mean, you just see it. And I mean, even at night, the, some of the photos at night are just stunning when you've got the lights on and and the appearance of it uh, is, and there's not been a lot of that online just yet. I mean, there's a few few going around for evening shots, but I think the evening shots just, it's just like a big blue block hanging out there and it's, it's just incredible. Yeah, we're going to be highlighting the pool in Pool Magazine for sure. So, I mean, we're going to be showcasing uh, what it looks like, how it works, your guys' involvement. So yeah. um, definitely thank you so much for spending the time with us today to wrap with us about Reynolds' involvement in this project. I mean, I think uh, everybody's going to be thrilled to learn a little bit more about how this, uh, this vessel was put together, man. Yeah, thank you for the interest. I mean, it, again, it's been an incredible project. A lot of a lot of blood, sweat, and tears went into it, and uh, uh, you know, we didn't give up on it, and we kept going, and and we made it work. Some, you know, things that are as elegant and as simple and as beautiful as that uh, sometimes take a lot of effort, and uh, the team's just sticking with it, made it work. That was Paul Gardner of Reynolds Polymer, and we were discussing the Sky Pool, an incredible new pool project that was just launched in London. That's all the time we have today. A huge thank you to our sponsor, Base Creek, the leaders in waterproof bond codes for the swimming pool industry. Please make sure to subscribe, and we look forward to catching you next time on another episode of Pool Magazine Podcast.